On that first Friday, at the close of that day, there was a lot of hurried activity. In all four gospel accounts, it tells us that after Jesus finally died, after he cried out and gave up his spirit and breathed his last breath, towards the end of that day then, there, was, there were people who were then desiring to take his body down from the cross and to bury him before the next day's Sabbath would begin. And that formally had to be requested before Pontius Pilate. But it is one of those fascinating parts of uh, the Easter story in that uh, there are many different events in Jesus' life where uh, maybe two of the gospel writers record it and two do not or three do and one does not. But this is something that all four gospel writers tell us about. And it's unique because... Uh, part of what it reveals is that there was already at the close of Friday some good news before the good news. There was already an unexpected triumph before the unexpected triumph of that Easter uh, Sunday. And we read about it, uh, I'll read from Luke's gospel in Luke 23, verses 50 to 56 where it records what happened then at the close of the day before the sun had set. It says in Luke 23, beginning in verse 50, Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid and then they returned and prepared spices and ointments and on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. There's three things I'd like to highlight from this for us uh, this evening. The first is we're introduced by every gospel writer to a new person. We knew nothing, heard nothing about Joseph of Arimathea until after Jesus had died. He's a totally new character for us. But what we find out is that in some ways he was almost the opposite of Judas. Uh, sometimes you might hear a comparison between Judas as a disciple and then some of the other disciples like Peter in those final moments. But Judas was somebody who had proximity to Jesus, but who in those final moments decided to start doing the council's work to then betray Jesus so that he ended up on the cross. And after Jesus dies, we learn about this Joseph who was on that council, but he was, in fact, a disciple of Jesus. And so though Joseph was sitting in the meetings where they were talking about how to betray him, how to arrest him, how to crucify him, somebody was sitting in those 
gatherings, not agreeing with what they were planning to do to Jesus, not in support of that. He was someone who was longing for the Messiah, and even though everybody around him was set in their mind to go after Jesus and to put him on a cross, there was somebody there whose heart had already been captured by Jesus himself. That he was secretly a disciple of Jesus while he was sitting on that very council. So he's a totally new person to us. And then we find out that he has a new grave. He was a very rich man, that he had purchased a grave that he intended to use for himself, and it was new. Nobody else had ever been in it. And it's an amazing thing that this new person had a new grave that he could take Jesus and place him there. Because one, the goal of crucifixion was actually to humiliate someone. And so usually if you were crucified, you were then not given the dignity of a burial. You were left for days upon the cross so that as people would come in and out of the city, they would see what happened to you and they would be terrified to ever do whatever it was you were accused of doing. And if the Roman authorities would then take people down from the cross, they didn't then give them a private or personal burial. They would just put them in a pile, what we would imagine is sort of when atrocities happen at wartime. And so many people are dead that they just put them together. But for Jews, that was offensive. The crucifixion was offensive, but that way of handling the dead was also offensive. So for Jews, there would have been this burden to not allow that further offense to happen and instead to, to have a proper burial. But you had to be fairly well off to even in a then burial have a private burial and so usually graves consisted of families and extended families where multiple people maybe had been buried but this new person had a new uh, grave and he asked for Pilate, asked Pilate if he could take Jesus down from the cross and put him in there and as the story is unfolding well, what is God up to well, all of that is sort of laying the groundwork that everybody would know where Christ was buried. And so everybody would know that when that tomb was empty, he was alive. That he could not be mistaken with a bunch of other people. That he was the only one who'd been placed in that tomb. And so if that tomb would then become empty, it must mean that he is, in fact, risen from the dead. And all of this is happening in ways that are totally unexpected to us. If that were to happen, would it be somebody from the very council that had condemned Jesus? We wouldn't write the story this way, but it is basically God unfolding a greater conspiracy than the conspiracy of Judas with the other members of the council to betray Jesus. It's a reminder to us that even though we grieve what happened on that Good Friday, we do gather together not primarily to have a sense of pity for Jesus and what he went through, but we gather together to worship him because all the while he was going through it, he knew what the plans and the purposes of his father were. 
He knew the unexpected news that was coming. He knew that though death has swallowed us up, that something greater was going to swallow death up itself. There was something greater at work even on that Good Friday. And so even at the close of that day, there's this sense of anticipation that in this new person who has this new grave, that we have reasons to anticipate a new hope that will come forward, which not even Mary, not even John and Peter, none of them quite were ready for what was going to happen that Sunday morning. But just like Jesus was preparing them Long before, he told them, they're going to do this to me, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He did everything he could to prepare them for it. Even as those events were unfolding, he was still preparing them that new things were going to happen. New people were now involved, and he was laying the groundwork for a new hope that each and every one of us could have, hope that transcends the grave hope that is greater than all of our sin and so we call it good friday even though our savior experienced incredible injustice the worst kind of torture the most humiliating form of death because we believe that he did that purposefully not meaninglessly not accidentally but purposely for you and for me And it's our prayer, even as we celebrate it, that God would be working in the hearts of people who aren't quite expecting it, just like a Joseph of Arimathea. That even if everybody else around them is set against Jesus, maybe you're someone like that, that you find yourself strangely attracted to Jesus, amazed that He is who he said he is, and he did the kinds of things that he said he did, and you know that he did not deserve what ultimately happened to him. And if you can come to believe that he did that for you, that you can experience what it's like to be a disciple, just like Joseph of Arimathea. In John's gospel, it tells us that alongside Joseph, the person who helped him to get Jesus down from the cross, was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who earlier also had to come in the cover and darkness of night because he didn't want the people around him to know that he was coming to Jesus. And we don't know, again, all that transpired between that meeting and the time when they came to take him down from the cross. But everybody would have known that this Nicodemus who went and saw him in the cover of dark was now coming him while it was still light, trying to get ahead of the dark in order to get him in the tomb before the Sabbath began. So that was new hope that Joseph experienced, that Nicodemus experienced, that each and every one of us can experience. If we see the cross not simply as something that happened to Jesus, but something that Jesus was doing for you and me. That unexpected triumph can come into your life and mine. Good news can be ours, that as we sang, Christ can be ours forevermore. It's our prayer that you would know that joy as we celebrate this story, the best story that's ever been told, and it's the best because it's true.